welcome to Poetry Slams. My name is Grace Bergen and I am your host. In this series, we will be reading well-known poetry um, about different hot-button issues of today. And the reason we do this is to offer a new perspective to listeners and give them a different way of viewing an issue than they might have been able to before. So today's issue is immigration and we'll be looking at three well-known poems about this topic. The first one is called America, it's by Richard Blanco, and after I read these poems, we will analyze how it adds to the conversation about the topic. Um, Feel free to pause this podcast after I'm done reading a poem so you can analyze it for yourself before I give my input. So without further ado, here is America by Richard Blanco. One. Although Tia Miriam boasted she discovered at least half a dozen uses for peanut butter, topping for guava shells and syrup, butter substitute for Cuban toast, hair conditioner and relaxer, Mama never knew what to make of the monthly five-pound jars handed out by the immigration department until my friend Jeff mentioned jelly. 2. There was always pork, though, for every birthday and wedding, whole ones on Christmas and New Year's Eve, even on Thanksgiving Day pork, fried, broiled, or crispy skin roasted, as well as cauldrons of black beans, fried plantain chips, and yuca con mojito. These items required a special visit to Antonio's Mercado on the corner of 8th Street, where men in Gallabera stood in Senate, blaming Kennedy for everything. Ese hijo de puta, the bile of Cuban coffee and cigar residue, filling the creases of their wrinkled lips, clinging to one another's lies of lost wealth, ashamed and empty as hollow trees. 3. By 7 I had grown suspicious. We were still here. Overheard conversations about returning had grown wistful and less frequent. I spoke English. My parents didn't. We didn't live in a two-story house with a maid or a wood panel station wagon, nor vacation camping in Colorado. None of the girls had hair of gold. None of my brothers or cousins were named Greg, Peter, or Marcia. We were not the Brady Bunch. None of the black and white characters on Donna Reed or on the Dick Van Dyke show were named Guadalupe, Lozado, or Mercedes. Patty Duke's family wasn't like us either. They didn't have pork on Thanksgiving. They ate turkey with cranberry sauce. They didn't have yucca. They had yams, like the dittos of pilgrims I colored in class. 4. A week before Thanksgiving, I explained to my abuelita about the Indians in the Mayflower, how Lincoln set the slaves free, I explained to my parents about the Purple Mountain's majesty, one if by land, two if by sea, the cherry tree, the tea party, the amber waves of grain, the masses yearning to be free, liberty and justice for all, until finally they agreed, this Thanksgiving we would have turkey, as well as pork. 5. Abuelita prepared the poor fowl as if committing an act of treason, faking her enthusiasm for my sake. Mama set a frozen pumpkin pie in the oven and prepared candied yams following my instructions I translated from the marshmallow bag. The table was arrayed with gladiolas. The platter turkey loomed at the center on plastic silver from Woolworths. Everyone sat in green velvet chairs we had upholstered with clear vinyl, except Theo Carlos and Toti, seated in the folding chairs from the Salvation Army. I uttered a bilingual blessing and the turkey was passed around like a game of Russian roulette. Dry, Theoberto complained, and proceeded to drown the loon slices with pork fat drippings and cranberry jelly. Esa mierda roja, he called it. Faces fell when Mama presented her, her oak pie. Pumpkin was a home remedy for ulcers, not a dessert. 
Tia Maria made three rounds of Cuban coffee, then Abuelo and Pepe cleared the living room furniture, put on a Celian Cruz LP, and the entire family began to merengue over the linoleum of our apartment, sweating rum and coffee until they remembered it was 1970 and 46 degrees in America. After repositioning the furniture, an appropriate darkness filled the room. Tio Berto was the last to leave. So with that poem, the first thing I noticed was the dichotomy between the two types of immigrants. Um, there was one group, which was mostly the adults in this case, who are unwilling to embrace the new culture of America. And then there was the narrator, the young adult, who wanted to assimilate and wanted to celebrate the tra American traditions. So this can be taken one of two different ways, I think. Um, it's however you decide to perceive it, but I just thought that that was interesting. And then I also enjoyed the appeal to pathos in that poem with the use of Thanksgiving. It's something us as Americans can relate to and it draws emotion out of us because it's something we celebrate with our families and something that we're very close to. So I definitely think the poet did that on purpose to make us sympathize with him and his family and his situation. Um, so I hope that offered a new perspective for you guys on immigrant families living in America. So the next poem I will be reading is called Ice Agent Storm My Porch by Maria Melendez Kelson. And here we go. The indiscriminate citizenry of Earth are out to arrest my sense of being a misfit. Open up, they bellow, hands quiet before my door, that's only wind and juniper needles anyway. You can't do it, I squeak from inside. You can't make me feel at home here in this time of siege for me and mine, Mirasa. Legalized suspicion of my legitimacy is now a permanent resident in my gut. Fruit of the prickly pear, they swear, striding up to my table to juice me a glass of pink nectar. They've brought welcome baskets stuffed with proof I'm earthling. From under a gingham cover, I tug a dark feather, iridescent green, cohering to magpie thought, to memory's chatter, to mind. Mine. And here they have my mind translated into a slate-surface pond, which vibrates in the shape of a cottonwood's autumn molt, which trees me to dirt, which soils me heat and freeze. But you'll always be one definitive document short, I complain. Doubts can forever outstrip your geologic for which they produce a lock of my natal dust, bronze to the fluttering fiber of lace-bark pine. Where'd they get that stuff? The baskets are bottomless, and it's useless for me to insist on being distinct. Undergoing reportation, I'm awakened to a center where walls between all beings are dripped to dissolve. So with this poem, <clears throat> the first thing you notice is the author's rebel spirit, where, because at the very beginning, she says, that ice is out to arrest her sense of being a misfit. And I feel like that's the attitude of a lot of immigrant youth nowadays, especially with the new presidency of Donald Trump. A lot of the times they feel attacked. So they feel ready to fight back. They're tired of the discrimination. And I enjoyed seeing that perspective in this poem. Um, I also enjoyed the play on words where she said, Legalized suspicion of my legitimacy is now a permanent resident in my gut. I thought it was interesting to choose the words permanent resident because this film is talking about like illegal immigration and how and often they don't have permanent residency here. So her fear 
is stuck inside her. It lives there, even though she is not legal in, well, because she's not legal in the United States. So I thought that was some really cool wordplay. I also noticed the imagery at the very end of the walls dissolving between people. I thought that was beautiful, and it's something that we should all try to picture nowadays, in my opinion. And we could all also consider it kind of a jab at Donald Trump and his policy for building a wall between America and Mexico. Um, hopefully, we can start seeing um, a peace and an acceptance in our nation. I think that's what the poet is trying to get at here. Okay, that is all the time we have for this episode. Uh, thank you guys for joining me, and I can't wait to see you next week. Bye!